when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to the events that will move markets and make headlines in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. Well, just about everything I suppose we look at in the coming weeks is uh, going to take place against the backdrop of a general election here in Britain. That said, though, business life does go on and investment decisions have to be made. We're going to be hearing from FTSE 100 companies like the drug makers AstraZeneca and GlaxoSmithKline and the Premier Inn and Costa Coffee owner Whitbread. They're all reporting results at some stage and uh, we hear how UK PLC is faring. I'm joined in the studio by Alexandra Freen, Times Business columnist, Tom Knowles, our economics correspondent, and Callum Jones, the Times Markets reporter. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Let's first of all refresh our memory. Here's a clip from the Prime Minister's announcement in Downing Street and how she views the state of the economy. Since the referendum, we have seen consumer confidence remain high, record numbers of jobs, and economic growth that has exceeded all expectations. We have also delivered on the mandate that we were handed by the referendum result. Britain is leaving the European Union and there can be no turning back. Well, she needed a bit of a wind guard on the mic there, Callum. But uh, first of all, the stock markets and the, and the reaction, particularly looking forward. It's been it's been interesting. So in the minutes before she st- stood at, uh, stood out on the steps of Downing Street on on Tuesday morning, Sterling actually slipped a little bit. That Twitter experts got a little bit carried away talking about how it plunged, and that was effectively due to uncertainty. At the end of the day, people didn't know whether it was going to be an announcement of a royal bereavement, a resignation, something like that. But obviously, then it took off very quickly. It gained about three and a half cents against the dollar. It's now holding firm roughly at around one twenty eight, uh, which is its highest point since October. And the reason for that primarily. Uh, is due to confidence. People believe in the city that when you look at the opinion polls, 21 points ahead, the Conservatives will strengthen their majority, which will strengthen Theresa May's hand as she enters Brexit negotiations. Obviously, the knock-on effect of that is a stronger sterling has very much undermined the FTSE 100 this week. The FTSE 100, which only last month climbed to another record high, and that was mainly, of course, due to the fact that sterling was weaker. There was excitement around the implications of a Donald Trump presidency, and of course, we'll hear about this a little bit later, uh, some strong economic signals too. So it'll be interesting to see how over the next seven weeks that changes. Certainly if there are any signs which undermine that confidence which we've seen over the past couple of days, any signs that perhaps the Conservatives might not necessarily do as well as the city thinks they will do at the moment, then things might change a bit. 
Alex, I'd be interested in your view. I think, when was the last time you were in this country? Because you were based in the US for so long. When was the last time you saw a British election? First hand, I mean. Well, I missed the 2010 and 2015 elections. And I have to say, um, just talking to my contacts in America, they are just gobsmacked at the idea that you can have an election campaign that only lasts seven weeks because theirs <laughs> lasts for a very, very painful two years. And they are surprised at how little money we spend on it. That said, it is completely bonkers to the outside world that a British prime minister can just call an election when it suits her. We, we're used to it. And there have you know, been so much comment about how it, it makes perfect sense for Theresa May to do this. But let's not forget that we have this very weird system that allows the, the incumbent to, to manipulate the timing of the election. And what worries me about this is that this is going to be an election all about Brexit and all the other important things that should matter at the time of an election are going to get swept under the carpet. You know, we, we should be debating big issues about public spending, about social care, uh, spending on education and so forth. And it's all going to be about Brexit. So um, I'd just like to put a little plea in for, um, for the debate to be, to be widened out. It's interesting. You make the point about, obviously, in America, the campaign is a lot longer. When I was speaking to people in the city on Tuesday and Wednesday, the, the few dissenting voices from this overarching view that Theresa May was going to do brilliantly and the Conservatives were going to strengthen their majority is that actually a seven week campaign might be too long. It might present one too many banana skins, someone put it to me, uh, for, for Theresa May to slip up on. Whether that's true, I don't know. But it's very interesting that the idea of a seven week campaign daunted some people. When, of course, as you say, in the States, it's much longer. Oh, I, I don't think Theresa does banana skins. I mean, she- <laughs> <laughs> she's not doing the TV debate. She's, it's all going to be, she's going to be hermetically sealed. She she won't get that many chances to interact uh, that'll s- slip her up, I think. There's also an argument that some MPs have been saying that actually the ability to call an election when you want sort of keeps the opposition on its toes. There's perhaps an argument that Corbyn and the Labour Party have been more relaxed because they thought they had another three years till the general election under this fixed-term Parliament Act where it was meant to be five years, so the next election was meant to be in 2020. I mean, this this has also shown that the fixed-term Parliament Act is an irrelevance and should probably be got rid of. The fact that immediately the Prime Minister can just ignore it and then everyone's fine with that seems ridiculous, really. Tom, how do you tell if Jeremy Corbyn is relaxed or not? <laughs> Okay, well, not relaxed, perhaps, but perhaps being, I don't know, doing a bit better in the polls. The Tories current, I think it's, what, a 21-point lead? That suggests that he hasn't been pushing the right button somehow. It's interesting, though. I mean, don't get me wrong, a 21-point lead is in, in opinion polls is incredibly impressive. Obviously, lots of the financial institutions have responded to the idea of a general election. Deutsche Bank called it a game-changer, is raising its forecast for sterling. But... Isn't there this instant reliance on polls when only two years ago they were proved to be pretty wrong? These are these are the same financial institutions which less than a year ago spent a lot of money on internal polls, most of which we hear were also wrong for the referendum. They banked on and they priced in a Remain victory and came in for a nasty shock in the in the late hours of June 23rd and early of June 24th. The, uh, yeah, and this is true, and perhaps there's a bit too much of that, some complacency that we also saw before Brexit. Um, I was, BNP Paribas did a house price forecast, um, and they said this wasn't the house, you know, verdict, but they basically said they're their uh, predictions about how prices weren't going to change at all because they thought it would be a conservative majority once June 8th happens. So nothing changes. Everyone's sort of said, well, the Tories will still probably win and we'll continue as we were. There is a currency, you've alluded to it, 
But is there a possibility that in this time we're still waiting for President Trump to push through his $3 trillion infrastructure program <laughs> and various other reforms? Now, if they drag on, is there a danger that, for them anyway, for the dollar, that it will weaken because he's seen as a president who can't deliver on his promises and therefore, by default, people look to sterling and therefore sterling rises almost artificially. It's done nothing, has it? We're still in a state of flux. I mean, Callum, markets, they're not going like that, are they? Or they're, are they? They're definitely not. And I think certainly when you when you talk to people who, who monitor these things very closely, they make the point that six, seven weeks ago, Donald Trump made off-the-cuff remarks in a meeting suggesting that such policies were about a week away from being fleshed out, from being even introduced into Congress. And so there, there is a feeling of doubt among uh, Donald Trump's ability and the White House's ability uh, to actually push these measures through. We don't know whether they're going to focus on healthcare before anything else. Initially, obviously, when they had to drop that big push through Congress, that they said they were going to move on to other things. In recent days, we've heard it suggested they want to go back to healthcare before they focus on anything else. It'll be very interesting to see. There are lingering doubts over that at the moment. And um, going forward, that, that will have a big effect on the markets. It's interesting also, another effect of Trump, I've been hearing from commercial property sort of consultants and agents saying that Middle East private investors, not the institutions which you know are more bureaucratic in these things, but private investors are saying they don't want to invest in property in the US because Trump is not making them feel welcome and they're coming back to London in greater numbers, which suggests that you know there are these ripple effects. Um, also, the IMF yesterday said that many, many companies in the US have gone on a debt binge and any sense of the Fed raising rates even further and you know inflation pushing up could put them in real trouble and not be able to service their sort of debt costs and borrowing costs. I agree with all of that but I do, I do think you need to step back and think you know money's like water it trickles down it has to go somewhere and where's it going to go if it doesn't go to the United States? I mean Europe with all the uncertainty surrounding Brexit no matter how unwelcome those Far Eastern investors might feel in America, there's so much uncertainty in the UK and Europe right now that, you know, talking to American economists and, and reading their reports, they are still pretty confident that um, money is just going to keep coming there by default because it just feels less dangerous than anywhere else. All right, well, let's just move on slightly to... Um to you, Tom, we're going to be getting the latest GDP figures. I mean, are they going to support Theresa May's version of events that we heard at the top of the programme? Well, I mean, a lot of people have been saying that Theresa May is partly calling an election not only because she thinks she's doing very well in the polls at the moment, but also because we are going to see the economy start to unravel a little bit later in the year. You know, since Brexit, actually, the economy has, has defied forecasts. It's done very well. Uh, we were the second fastest growing nation in the G7 just after Germany for 2016. Uh, consumers kept spending. But now we're starting to see a slowdown. So the GDP growth in the final quarter of 2016 was 0.7%. Uh, but people are expecting this to slow to 0.4% or even 0.3% in the first three months of this year. Partly because industrial outputs fallen, manufacturing outputs looking a bit troubled, and consumer spending looks like it's going to start ringing in as inflation picks up. We had the latest employment figures, which showed that wages have become very sluggish, whereas before that didn't really matter because prices were keeping very low in the supermarkets because of the supermarket price war, and petrol was quite low because of low oil prices. This is all starting to change now. So, you know, I, it could be that consumers start ringing in their spending, and then that's bad news for the economic growth of the country. 
We mentioned, Callum, at the top there that we were going to be hearing from companies like Whitbread, Costa Coffee. It seems to me, and, and Premier Inn, Tom talked about inflation there. We've all been out to buy coffee or something in one of the high street chains, in this case, Costa, one of the biggest one owned by Whitbread. They're having to put their prices up now, and it's not one or two P or even five P. These are 10, 20p. I mean, across the board, aren't they now? And this is a fact that's going to keep on coming. Not good in stock market terms, is it? Because it's presumably going to squeeze margins. No, that's very true. And interestingly, obviously, um, not, not necessarily thinking about the markets, but certainly that's, that, that seemed to be, having a, having had a brief read of Starbucks and what it was saying last week, uh, certainly it was complaining about the impact, implications of Brexit on its, on its profits. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what Whitbread has to say about the progress of Costa in the wake of the referendum uh, over the next few days. On the economy, the, so obviously the FTSE 100 has only last month, it lasted, lasted a record high. And it'll be very interesting to see how it progresses and how it responds to GDP figures going forward, because that record high was driven by three things. A weaker pound, excitement around the presidency of Donald Trump and uh, signs that the economy was faring better than expected. If the pound now strengthens, if, as we were just discussing a short time ago, the excitement or enthusiasm around the policies of a Trump presidency wanes over with, with doubts lingering over whether he'll be able to push such measures through, and then GDP figures and economic data begins to indicate there might be some kind of a slowdown, the FTSE 100 will take quite a hint. A hint or a hit? A hit. A hit. A hit. <laughs> Tom, inflation, it's ticking up, but the Monetary Policy Committee seem to be actually quite relaxed about it. Should they be a bit more worried or do they know what mm, they're doing? They're, at the moment, they're saying we're going to look through it. So it, it's gone past their recommended rate of 2% um, and looks like it will reach a rate of 3% later this year. Uh, I think they they sort of watch things like wages to see if that's suddenly ticking up, you know, as employees start responding to perhaps higher prices, which at the moment wages haven't. So they think... Perhaps this will be a temporary thing. What Interestingly, what they're more worried about is the fact that consumers are still spending. You know, they, I was just saying earlier, consumers might start reining in their spending. But at the moment, they're spending a lot and, and, they, and they're not doing it with their own disposable cash. They're, they're binging on, on credit cards and personal loans and overdrafts. And the bank's getting very worried about this. And they've asked, you know, regulators to look into whether credit uh, lenders are just making things a bit too easy for the consumers. So there's a sort of a whole other point. But, you know, paradoxically, if consumers do ring in their spending, the economy slows. So it's, it's a bit of a difficult balance for the bank to uh, maintain, I suppose. Alex, you saw perhaps similar things happening where people were binging on credit in the United States and goodness me, it all ended up in the subprime loan disaster. Do you detect any similarities between the lending now? No, I think you have to look at what people are borrowing money for. When people are taking out subprime loans to buy houses, then it really matters because it's a massive amount of equity. When when that goes south, then people lose their homes. It has huge knock-on effects. When people are, are, are using subprime lending to to buy cars or smaller consumer items, it sure, it's not great if they default on their loans, but it, it doesn't have the same knock-on effects for the whole economy. And quite frankly, at a time of low borrowing and when we're trying to get you know, the economy moving, I think we shouldn't worry too much about people borrowing. Um, that's my view. Yeah, and interestingly, on, on with with regards to the housing market, in in fact, you know, since tougher mortgage regulations have come in, that people are more worried about uh, how homeowners not moving at all. Transactions have 
slumped and and look like more and more people are just deciding you know what i'm gonna wait out moving home until i see what brexit does to the economy and to house prices um so with regards to the housing market we're actually seeing a real slowdown all right well that's a good note to end it on and uh, thank you all very much but remember you can keep up to date with all the news and analysis and the companies we've been talking about when they report whitbread astrazeneca and glaxo smithkline and of course there's all important gdp figures that tom there was talking about it You'll be right on it as they're released. You can keep up to date also on your phones and tablets, and you can sign up if you are a subscriber to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. And uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can go to thetimes.co.uk and sign up there. If you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes, and uh, please do feel free to post us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, Tom Knowles, and Callum Jones. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. Join us again next week. And thanks for listening. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.